Welcome to this edition of the Wispy Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd Middle Initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right, it is me. And we have been listening to the first cut off of a new CD titled One Day, and the title of the song, if I pronounce it correctly, is Nanakuli Sunset, which I understand Nanakuli is a village or a town on the island of Oahu. And of course, you can tell by the word sunset in there that obviously the fellow who perf- composed the song and performed it for this CD, Loves Looking at Sunsets. His name is Dave Kavika Feely. 
and he's a Hawaiian slack key guitarist, and he's on the phone with me right now. Hi, Dave. Hey, Todd. Thanks. I got a little tongue-tied in there. <laughs> well, Hawaiian, or they would say, Olelo Hawaii, can get a little tongue-tied even for someone that studies it. Well, the, you know, I, I I know that you are obviously very enamored by the islands. How did that come about? Wow. Um, try to keep it short. Um, well, I was a military brat. Uh, I had never been to Hawaii. I had moved around the world with my parents up to the point I was 18. And then I went into West Point. Uh, upon graduation, I became an officer myself. And for the next 28 years, did the same thing, traveled the world, various places. So, you know, I never really called any place home. In, <clears throat> let's say, my first girlfriend that I had, I actually had a CD. I remember it. Uh, it's called uh, Country Comfort. And it was a Hawaiian group in the 70s. And I listened to it. I just loved it. And I fell in love with that music at that time. But I had no really appreciation for Hawaii. Uh, years later, I had the opportunity to be assigned there at Schofield Barracks with the 25th Infantry. And I can tell you, it sounds cliche, and a lot of people say the same thing, but I can tell you the moment I got off the plane, I just knew this was special. I knew I was someplace that I could call home. And really, I have no explanation for it other than just a feeling at that time. Now, I was in the Army, so I had a job to do. And it took several months before I was able to actually get out and enjoy what most people would consider to be the enjoying part of Hawaii. And the moment that I really fell hard was about a few months after I had arrived, I heard about a concert that was going to be held, a live concert, at a dedication ceremony for a place called a Heiau, which is a Hawaiian ancient temple area, not too far from where I lived in Makakilo. Also, interestingly, not far from Nanakuli, where I composed that song. Uh, it was there where I heard a group called the Makaha Sons of Ni'iau and a fellow by the name of Brother Is. Oh, yes. Kavaka'ilo Hole. I'm getting tongue-tied. Brother is famous now because of his rendition of Over the Rainbow. And I tell you, I just, I was absolutely, I think the British say gobsmacked. I mean, I was floored. It was so beautiful. They had a Hawaiian group called a halau that, that danced, uh, hula dancing. And it was just gorgeous. Uh, I, I just was overwhelmed. I mean, the music, I was, I've been a musician since I was a kid at four years old where I played piano at that time, but I'd never really heard anything quite like that. And so that just became a, a moment for me where for the, for the next, up until now, um, I have, it's been a constant pursuit of not just Hawaiian music. Um, we could talk later about slack key and how that came about, but uh, the culture Everything about Hawaii that most people find beautiful and some people maybe not like, like the weather being the same. Um, yeah, I, I, I fell in love. And that's been my inspiration. Now the Army took me away. And I've been back 
many times uh, since then and had owned property there. And, uh, but there will always be a connection. So how long were you stationed there originally? Uh, the first tour, probably I want to say about a little over three and a half years. And then I came back a second time in the mid-90s. And again, I was there for about three and a half years. So a total of seven years approximately. And then you could tack on a number of years if you count all the visits and TDYs and all kinds of trips that I've made back there, personal and business. Well, you, you mentioned that you've been a musician since you were at the, around the age of four. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, my, my dad was assigned to Fort Bragg, North Carolina at the time, and my sister was going to get piano lessons. And I don't remember much, but I do remember the moment. I, I do remember crying to my mom. I was very upset that I wasn't going to get piano lessons. She was six years old. I was four. Um, and my mom caved and, and I started a classical piano. And so for the next 11 and a half years, I studied classical uh, piano and played. My sister failed after a few years. She was a good piano but I was classically trained for uh, up to the time I was 16 and discovered girls. And it just wasn't really, it wasn't uh, conducive to what I wanted to pursue at that age. Now, did you leave music totally at, at about that time for a period of time, or did you pick up another instrument? Uh, I, I actually, I, at, at the time, I, pay, I played keyboards. I, I turned to jazz. I was in the stage band uh, in high school. And I'd always played a little bit of guitar, mainly folk, you know, just basic chords. I loved Peter, Paul, and Mary, and James Taylor, and, you know, the usual stuff uh, back in the, in the 70s. And uh, when I went to West Point, there wasn't much opportunity at that point to be playing anything other than a little bit of guitar. Did some singing as a choir. Uh, but that was pretty much it. I mean, once I, once I got out, once I got out and I was on my own, I had my own piano had a guitar and it wasn't really, I played for the church piano. I did all kinds of stuff along those lines, but it really wasn't until I got to Hawaii where that's when I really got serious about the guitar because most of the Hawaiian music that I was listening to was played on the guitar or ukulele. I learned how to play the ukulele and, uh, and there it went. So that was really, I could say 1986, uh, about four years after I graduated, that was the time I really got serious about guitar. Now, did you pick up slack key at that point in time, or, or did you just uh, practice and get better at, you know, what we would call folk guitar or just a general acoustic? Yeah. Uh, as we would say, standard tuning mm -hmm. uh, was pretty much my go-to, just like most people do. Uh not just church music, but mainly it was uh, Hawaiian music. But, you know, they, there's styles that you could associate with Hawaiian music. When you listen to it, you can hear it. And you can instantly recognize it if you've been to Hawaii. Uh, but, but uh, yeah, it was all standard tuning, normal chord shapes, nothing fancy. I mean, it really wasn't that good if you want to call it that i mean i could play most of the chords but i was pretty much confined to that lower part of the, the fretboard you know i'd say the beginner intermediate level where i could carry a tune and i was mainly focused on singing the songs and it wasn't so important to be flashy well that was my next question was were you singing at that point in time as well or just guitar for a long period of time 
Oh yeah. Well, I sang, I sang since I was a kid, uh, mainly choirs, um, just love singing, but nothing serious. I mean, I didn't, wasn't any bands. Uh, well, I take that back. I was in a short lived rock band when I had long hair and a Fender Rhodes keyboard. That was pretty cool. Now that must've been pre West Point or post. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was definitely pre, pre West Point. 1977, 1976, I said, that's about the time I quit playing classical music and uh, turned to rock. I mean, of course, you know, you're inspired by, by bands like Aerosmith that at the time were, you know, huge. And yeah, yeah, that brings back some memories. <laughs> I've got, I got photos I don't want to show you. I mean, if I, <laughs> my long hair, but that, that quickly went, that went uh, away forever after I, uh, Went into the military at 18. <laughs> well, I've noticed that most of your photos on your website, and folks, those of you listening, if you want to go to his website, it's his, act, it's his name, including in the middle, Kavika, which is K-A-W-I-K-A. So it's Dave Kavika Feely, and that's F-I-E-L-Y.com. And you can listen to some of his tunes if you want to hear some of the ones we're not going to play on the podcast today you can also purchase this new cd which is titled one day and this is your first cd isn't it yes it is uh yes that is my first cd uh, well people could either uh, pay 9.99 to download it or if you do what i did and you purchase the actual physical cd for 13.99 you also get the download free which i thought was absolutely terrific so thank you for for setting it up that way Yay. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a friend, uh, Rick Landers, who he and I talked about whether to get CDs, physical copies. And I said, ah, I'll go ahead and do it. I mean, we're concerned about landfill, and, uh, you know, two billion years for these things to decay. But there were just a number of people that they're old school, you know, because I could be the same thing. And, you know, they really want that physical, tactile thing. And, uh, so I, I made it available for both crowds, and I'm glad I did at this point. Well, and, and you helped me out because for years, my Bose Wave Radio CD player, which I've had since, gosh, I want to say the around the year 2000, maybe even before that, for the past wow, couple of years, some of the CDs, mainly newer ones, when I put them in, it doesn't play. And what I have to do is open the lid, spin the CD, and then put the lid down quickly. And it happened again with yours. And I'm thinking, darn it. And I tried and I tried and it wouldn't play. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to buy a brand new one. So I ordered one. It's going to be in on Tuesday. So thank you for yeah, yeah. doing that because I won't have to spin the CDs anymore. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm one who likes to have the physical CD in my hand. And I know that CD cases, you can't get all the stuff you can on an album, an LP jacket. But I like to have it to throw into the CD player because we listen to acoustic music when we have dinner. It's kind of in the background and Hawaiian slack key. I've got two or three CDs of it. It's just such a mellow and comfortable. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful sound. It really is. So I'm so glad that I met you and I met you at Jimmy Stewart's performance this past summer at the Shabro stage. And so he sort of indirectly introduced us. Ah, Super. And he's going to be on an upcoming podcast as well. Oh, fantastic. I'll have to look for that. So how long were you actually in in the military? Wow. Well, including West Point, 
time, which, you know, I had to wear a uniform and I had a military ID card, it'd be 31 years, uh, 31 years. I retired out of the Pentagon as a colonel um, in 2008. And then I turned around like many people do and I continue to kind of do the same thing, but as a, as like a, um, a GS-15 working with a defense agency. So I was still in the Department of Defense for about the next 10, 11 years. So, yeah, it was a good 41 years that I spent now, serving the country. Now, what are some of the other places you were stationed at? Wow. Uh, besides Hawaii? I, I'm hesitant to say sometimes just because I, I've really lived kind of a blessed uh had a lot of good opportunities. I've lived in great places. Fort Lewis, Washington. That was my first assignment. I've lived at, uh, I was assigned to the Air Force Academy of all places as an Army officer teaching physics there. Uh, that's in Colorado Springs, another terrible place. <laughs> um, I was in Monterey. I went to the Naval Postgraduate School in California. Uh, but I did suffer. If anybody has to take get a physics degree and you're not a physics major, you'd understand. So that was two and a half years, but a lovely, lovely location. Uh, Virginia for a number of years, other uh, overseas assignments that we won't really talk about. Uh, Korea, a um, couple of years there, two and a half years. Uh, you know, and then uh, I was an artilleryman, so I did spend some time in a not so great place in uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. But, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. A lot of other places that I've been to, but. Now, why would an artillery officer need physics? <laughs> you have to ask the army. <laughs> hey, at some point, at some point, we all give up what we love to do. I mean, we all do. If you're an officer, you get to you get to play with guns and do be with soldiers and units and do the stuff that you're really trained to do for only a limited period of time. You know, other than that, you got to do staff jobs and you have to do secondary things. And the army likes to send its officers to higher education in order to not be scientists, but to be able to talk to scientists, you know, and, and, you know, run contracts, do all those wonderful things that I'm joking, you know, people don't really want to do, but, but it has to be done. So I, I they needed, they needed physicists, they need people with physics degrees so that I could talk technical stuff. And because I went to West Point, had a lot of math and science, they figured, yeah, you're good enough. Now, how did you choose the greater Washington, D.C. area to live currently? Oh, that's a great question. Well, the Army chose me to begin with because they sent me to, uh, again, this defense agency that I was in uniform. Uh, went to Korea, came back to the D.C. area because I, I call it like a, it's like a black hole for the military. Eventually, if you're in long enough, you're going to get sucked into the Pentagon. And that's really what ended up happening. So about the last eight years of my military career was in the D.C. area. And then job um, continued to have to work. I mean, this is where it's at. You know, if you want to make money and save money and, you know, take care of business that way, uh, D.C. is the place to do it. So but with all that said, in 2012, I met my wife. Uh, Tammy, her Hawaiian name's Cavelo Aloha, and we, uh, there you go, that, 
that's one big reason why I've stayed. Now, had you? She has her own career, and she also performs with you sometimes, doing the yes Hawaiian traditional Hawaiian dance. Yes, uh, she she has been doing hula for a number of years, and uh, I got to tell you, Todd. I mean, it's it's something I had only dreamt about when I was playing Hawaiian music, you know, with it, but I didn't know her. And always, you, you just kind of always dream about being that guy that can play music and then watch, you know, a beautiful woman dancing hula, which is just beautiful in itself. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 I can't describe what a thrill it is. Uh, besides also being a distraction for any crowds, any mistakes I may make on stage, nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody cares. I, I said, hey, my lovely wife, Tammy Cabello Aloha Fila, is going to come up and dance now. And I said, ah, what a relief. I can do anything and no one cares. <laughs> well, when I first met you, I, I, I knew that you played Hawaiian slack key. I thought you were like Jimmy and just were a guitarist. I didn't realize you sang until I received the CD. And uh -huh. you have a very pleasant singing voice. Thank you. And in fact, what we're going to do right now, so people can hear you sing, we're going to listen to Hawaii, Hawaii Ne. Did I pronounce that correctly? I did a very good job. Yeah, Hawaii Ne. Now, what does Hawaii Ne mean? Well, it's an affectionate way of saying, like, my Hawaii. It's a possessive term that you would only use it in a, in a very, you know, a deeper meaning than just saying, like, you know, my dog or mm -hmm. my house. You know, it, Hawaii ne is just saying it's mine in a dip, deeper sense. So it just describes my connection to, it's one of the first songs I wrote, as a matter of fact, but it describes that connection that I have with Hawaii. Well, let's listen to it right now. I finally found 
song is almost like your announcement to the world as to why you love Hawaii and the slack key. <laughs> well, mahalo for saying that. Thank you. Well, you mentioned uh, in there loosening the strings. Uh, yeah, you noticed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, loosening the strings. I mean, I, I try not to overwhelm people with too much Olelo uh, Hawaiian language. Just a few words that perhaps mean not only something to me, but other people like uh, Malama. You know, it's a, it's a concept of to care, you know, to care for the land, malama aina, malama pono, to take care. Uh, so that word means a lot. And then uh, aloha, obviously, it's overused by some people, not in Hawaii, but uh, it's uh, it's everything. And uh, man, you know, when it affects you the way that it's affected me, uh, you, you'd know. So I'm glad you glad you enjoyed it. Oh, no, definitely. And and your line of loosening the strings, taken literally as loosening the strings of the guitar, but you talk about the, uh, the sound, but also the Hawaiian lifestyle is a very relaxing lifestyle, uh, at least what those of us who've only visited occasionally and never yeah. actually lived there, that's the feel. I know there's a lot of business that goes on and it's tough to get yeah. things because it's an island and so forth, but right, right. it's that loosened kind of casual, like all the... This, even the, the big wave surfers in Hawaii seem to, when they're on land, just be loving life and just chilling. That's, uh, that's, that's very accurate. Very, very accurate. I, I'd be hard-pressed to think about people that I personally know that I live with, musicians in particular, but, but just about everybody in all, all walks of life. Because a lot of the musicians live there, as you said, it's kind of hard to live there. Very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aloha does carry uh, carry a lot of people through a lot of hardships. 
as well as just chill out. The thing that I think I think the most critical for people that live in the D.C. area is just the traffic. The traffic over there is horrible. You know, you go to the H1, you go from the west side of the island where I live. If you're going to go into Honolulu, it could take you an hour, hour and a half just to go the 13 miles. But what's amazing is that there's very little anger. There's very little horn blowing or people cutting you off. It's just, it's remarkable is the, all I can say. Um, yeah, it, loosening the strings, uh, yeah, that's a, I never really, I've never really thought of it quite that way because I literally was taking a literal view of kihualo, which means to slacken the key um, for, uh, for the guitar. But, but yeah, yeah, I miss it just for that. <laughs> that, that, that in itself. Now you say that you had lived on the west side. How far from Makaha were you? Not very far. As a matter of fact, I I, I used to own property out in Makaha. Um, uh, for those that don't know, it's at the very tip. Makaha is at the very end of the uh, west side of the island. You actually can't go around it anymore. Uh, that road had been washed out at Kaina Point many many years ago. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, not 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 far. You know, not not as the uh, a real seagull flo- flies. Probably about eh, you know eight miles just past Waianae. Why and, do you do you know Makaha? Well, I stayed there for a week back in. Gosh, we're talking. Let's see, nineteen eighty-five, I guess. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Okay, it's a beautiful valley. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's on the dry side of the island from from what yep. I remember, and yep. the Makaha contest yearly contest uh, was one of the big ones and that's where greg knoll yes. um, he almost retired from big in fact he retired from big wave surfing after going out that huge day back in the the late 60s early 70s yes, and uh, yes. greg knoll for those of you who are not surface he was known for his trunks they were they, they looked like it they just he had just come out of a prison they were black and white <laughs> right. horizontal stripes that's, that's right <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I don't know Greg personally. I just know a lot of those big wave surfers. Yeah, and he passed away what in the last two or three years, actually. Yeah, sad. Yeah, sad. We've lost a lot of great uh, Hawaiian musicians as well. Oh my gosh, you mentioned Is. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he is passed away uh, just before I left in '96. Uh, he um, he died before. Uh, There's another great woman. Uh, surfer who really made Hawaiian professional mm-hmm. uh, surfing famous. Um, her name is uh, Rail uh, Kapilio Kaheokai Sun. Rail Sun Kapilio Kaheokai means heart of the sea. I have to plug her because she passed away. I think in February, if I'm not mistaken. I think is died a little bit a few months later. Um, really hard to talk about that because they were just wonderful wonderful gifted people um and i i did write one of my songs is called uh heart of the sea i one of the first not the first but one of the first slack key guitar um, instrumentals that i wrote and dedicated to her i the plug i was talking about is look at her um uh, biographical um uh, video that somebody had done it was it's called Heart of the Sea. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really one, wonderful. And uh, that, that 
tune is going to be what I finish the show with. You and I will have finished our conversation, but everyone listening will hear that as the final cut on the, the podcast today. And it is beautiful, cool. just like cool. she was. The yeah. um, Now, how? let's jump to the actual music and the CD, if you don't mind. How long oh, sure. did it take you to assemble all 11 uh, cuts to put it together on wow. a CD? You know, I never actually counted everything i i if, if you just talk about from concept um to completion i would say it started probably in early march of last year and i didn't wrap things up until mm, i i was gonna say late october um yeah i gotta make a, i gotta make a quick you know mahalo to uh, uh marco del mar he was my producer, uh, just absolutely talented guy. He's with Recording Arts Music, and uh, he's never done Hawaiian music. He's done some acoustic stuff, uh, but he really uh, worked with me well, considering that it's a genre that he had not done before. But uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to work with, and I was very pleased with the results. But your question was how long, so what is that? Uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, you know, about six, seven months probably. So. Now, were all the pieces, the uh, the tunes and songs on the CD, they weren't written during that time. They were written well well before that, right? Well, actually, no. <laughs> it's funny. funny you said that. There were two that I wrote uh, that I didn't have them at, at the time. Uh, one was called uh, Ko'olau Slack. It was a concept I had in my I've had in my head for a couple of years. There's an artist called Makana uh, that I really enjoy his playing. He's kind of really out there in terms of slack key guitar. He does play slack key beautifully, but he pushes the envelope. And so there's some of the style, some techniques that he uses that I kind of really wanted to give it a try. Uh, a lot of hammer-ons, pull-offs, and uh, it just kind of clicked. I'm going to say around August, probably, and I wrote it. Um, wasn't going to put it on the CD, but uh, Marco uh, encouraged me to go ahead and just put it on there um, after hearing it. Because it's on a 12-string open detuning, uh, and it really was inspired by the Ko'olau Mountains. If, you ever, if you've been to Hawaii, trying to go go through the Pali, go through the uh, pass, and whew, well, and, I, I and, oh, go, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, and, and one other one I wrote, literally, I wrote it uh, just before I went into his studio to lay down the final uh, tracks of the slack key pieces, the actual instrumentals. And I wrote, uh, I wrote that uh, Nanakuli uh, Sunset, the one that you just played. I, I wrote it probably a week before and just had an inspiration uh, based on a time in my life and wrote it. And interesting enough, I can, I can honestly say that uh, that was the first take. Really? <laughs> that we did. Yeah. Wow. It was, you know, you do more takes, but the one that we picked was the very first one. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of funny. I never really thought of it that way. I, I guess I, I would have had only nine pieces, maybe eight, but I also decided to do one cover. Everything's original except for, one uh, Kihoalo slack key guitar piece called uh, Napili Chimes. And that was written by my teacher, my mentor, uh, 
Ozzy Katani. Well, I you had to, I had to do it. Well, you mentioned the. Um, you know, I can't. I'm not going to pronounce it correctly. Koalauslak. Oh, uh, yeah, Koalauslak. Yeah, Koalauslak. Okay. Koalau is the name of the mountains. Okay, I wasn't planning on playing that, but let's see if we can let people hear just maybe like 30 seconds or so. Let's see if it'll work. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, just 30 seconds will do it. Well, you can definitely tell it's a 12 string <laughs> yeah it does ring out doesn't it it really does and uh you know having played 12 string a little bit my my during my lifetime and i don't own one right now for those of you who are not actual guitar players it's tough enough playing a six string guitar especially when you've been out of practice and your calluses aren't built up but to, <laughs> to press down twice as many strings and then do finger style and be able to hit the octave strings, which are not at the same level as the, uh, the some of the other strings, and get it all to work is very difficult. So you did a beautiful job on that. Well, Mahalo, I appreciate that. It's, I I just love the twelve string. I really do. I, I it used to be my only instrument for a while. When I was in uh, Hawaii, as a matter of fact, I bought a twelve string uh, old Yamaha at that time. Uh, yeah, it'll it'll definitely develop your chops, especially barring chords. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that it, it was it was it was a surprise. I didn't ever thought it would make the cut, so to speak. But uh, and I still refine it. I've actually I played it in concert. I played it uh, at the Epicure last month, and uh, you know I I was being a little bit cautious on the recording. I usually play it about thirty percent faster, mm -hmm. which makes it even more interesting. <laughs> Well, you know, speaking of guitars, what has been your guitar life like as far as equipment? Ah, uh, I love it. I hope, hope, I wish Rick Landers was listening. We <laughs> talk about this all the time. Rick's got quite a stable. Uh, mine's meager. Um, well, after the Yamaha, I did have a, I had an old Korean classical. I, the, the, the guitar was made for me the, my first tour. That I was over there. Oh, but wow. A friend, a friend made it for me, a Korean friend who uh, owned a coffee shop that I used to go to. Really cool place. Uh, so that was my classical. Um, I had an old, uh, oh, what do you call that? Ovation. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. it a, but it was, it was, it was old. And but th those were the three guitars the Yamaha, the Ovation, um, and then that classical. But that's when I was just playing, you know, just playing. Uh, fundamental chords and singing and, you know, just doing good stuff like that. Uh, once I started getting really serious about playing the guitar, especially learning slack key in itself, you know, that's when I decided to kind of treat myself. I got a, uh, I have a custom guitar uh, made by a wonderful friend, a great luthier. His name is uh, Eric Devine, as in, you know, divine, like religious divine. Um, and I call it, uh, uh, Kaleo Nani, the beautiful voice. 
and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful guitar, beautiful, beautiful sound. I love it. So now, I've got that right now. Now, where is he based out of? Uh, Maui. Well, okay. it, it was Maui. I think he has, he bought some acreage out in Molokai, which is a, mm-hmm. another island where not very populated, but he got literally acreage out there. And he was supposed to move his shop just recently. And now that you said it, I need to contact him and see if he's made the move. Um, so that's what he, but Hawaii. Yeah. Now what is the guitar? It looks like a Sitka spruce or some sort of spruce top. What's, what's back in yeah. sides? Uh, highly figured Koa. Okay. Um, it'd have to be. (laughs) Oh, it would have to be. (laughs) Eric showed me what he was going to make for me years before. Did he he really? I'm saving this. Yeah. He says, I'm saving this for you. He probably says that to Eric. You say that to everybody, but, but he wasn't kidding. I mean, it is just an absolutely, I just gorgeous. I mean, I've got tattoos. If you look at my website, you'll see on my arm, I've got Hawaiian themed tattoos. And he incorporated that in the sound hole, um, Rosette. You know, uh, I, I, I'm looking at the photo of you holding the guitar with your, your forearm is over the, you know, the, the shoulder. Yeah. And yeah. I should have picked up, I picked up on the fact that I was going to ask you about the rosette and how unique it was, but not putting two and two together that that's the same design <laughs> on your, on your yes. lower, lower arm. Yeah. We said we had to, I said, so I have to get the, uh, it's like, it's like mana, uh, shark teeth, you mm-hmm. know, uh, you know, kind of a nod to the warrior side of me. Um, yeah, I just, I just love the guitar. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's it's hard to get a beautiful guitar. I think you know. Yes. You you find a lot of beautiful guitars, but you don't find a lot of beautiful guitars that sound beautiful. That is yeah. a, a big problem, especially in today's world where it's more difficult to try guitars because with all the COVID restrictions and so forth. So most of us now purchase online. Um, And so you never hear it until you actually receive it. And fortunately, most sellers, at least the ones of quality guitars, allow you a three-day or a seven-day trial period where you can send it back if it's not for you. Because you're absolutely right. I've owned some absolutely gorgeous guitars that I felt badly selling but the reason yeah. I sold them is either I just didn't like the way they felt and played, or they just right. didn't sound like they looked. There you go. Uh, that's, and I think that's, that's a, that there lies the struggle. Um, it's easy to get enamored with the beauty. And I'll be, I'll admit, I mean, I, 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 I fall on the spectrum of, I, I really love the, the, the prettiness mm-hmm. You know, guitar. I love Koa. I have a hard time. It's like mahogany. So from a consistency, a wood perspective, you know, it's 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 a great sound wood. Um, but uh, yeah, like uh, my Yamaha finally died on me. Uh, it was just starting to pull. They all want to fold up on each other eventually, mm-hmm. but this one started to go that way. So I I hung it up literally on my wall, and I bought a uh, Taylor. Uh, K65, um, you know, just highly figured Koa. And uh, that one, I was fortunate, I, when I bought it, I played it from a guy. I bought it on Craigslist. So, uh, but it's a gorgeous guitar. And then another Koa, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guitar Lele. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's the, um, uh, oh, what am I having a, I'm having a seizure here. Um, you know, the largest uh, ukulele, a baritone, 
Oh, sure. Ukulele yeah. body. It's that size, but it's actually fretted like a guitar. And it's actually tuned as a guitar. I bought that. It's called Mele. It's a Mele manufacturer in Hawaii. And uh, I just love it because it allows me to cheat. I, I do play ukulele, but I'm not really that great. And so if I want to play a song that, like, say, uh, Over the Rainbow, I'll pick up the guitar lele and it sounds like ukulele, mm -hmm. but I'm able to play it and slap it. So uh, I actually used it on that tune that you just. Uh, I was going to ask because it's, it's, it's kind of under the mix, sort of. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, overdub. I, I did I did an overdub on almost all the songs except for the instrumentals, and uh, yeah, I, I decided to use it for that one. And then finally, I have a classical because uh, the other classical I had let my son take it to Madagascar, so it got pretty beat up, and so I have a Cordoba classical and then a resonator, a Royale resonator that I. Frankly, uh, it's on my to-do list to play it properly <laughs> with a slide. Yeah, it's a different type of performing. I mean, it really is. I, I have never been yeah. able to master that. I'm gonna. I've got a few things on my agenda post uh, post CD and uh, uh, holidays. Well, the nice thing about playing resonated guitar is many of the resonated guitar players play in open tunings and uh, there you go and isn't that the connection to a slack key yeah. isn't slack key open tuning yeah it is uh i like to tell people because a lot of times the truth is i will say okay i i play slack key guitar you know a unique style to the hawaiian islands and that's true that's truthful uh however the idea that it's that open tunings is unique is certainly not the case. Blues, bluegrass, uh, resonator guitar, dobro, you know, a number of different genres in particular play open tunings. And there's quite a few open tuning, most of your masters, so to speak, Chet Atkins, and, uh, you know, you name, name a bunch of other ones. They all play open tunings because it gives a unique sound. The, the difference, though, with Hawaiian slack key or kihualo is just the, the techniques that they use, the okay. turnarounds, the riffs, uh, a lot of ornamentations. You'll hear a lot of chimes on my. You'll hear turnarounds that are very unique to Hawaii. If you hear it, if you go to Hawaii, if you listen to Hawaii music, you'll hear it, and then you'll recognize it all the time, just like you recognize the blues. Immediately, as soon as somebody starts playing the blues, you go, oh, that's the blues, mm -hmm. right? I mean... So it's very similar in that regard, but I like the way you phrase it, Todd, is that for the most part, I'd say 99 out of 10 slack key compositions are very soothing or nahi nahi, they would call it soft. You know, it's just, it's meant to be soulful. It's meant to come from your, uh, come from your heart and make you feel kind of warm inside. <laughs> And it does it for me every time. Every time I play, I just feel like, ah, it's, it's like, uh, it's like meditating, you know? Yeah. A lot of it's, it's your version of transcendental meditation. There you go. There you go. I now, what is your preferred tuning for when you play slack key? Uh, preferred is the most standard is called tarot patch, which is open G. Okay. Uh, but in Hawaiian terms, they would call it open G, uh, excuse me, tarot patch. Okay. Uh, tarot being the, 
main food staple in Hawaii, I suppose. A taro patch. Somebody came up with that. Uh, the other ones would be drop drop C. I'll take taro patch and take the D uh, tuning on the sixth strain and drop it down to C. So if I have a song that's in C or I want to fret it, uh, typically I'll go to drop C. And then uh, another favorite of mine is open D. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard someone say, and I think it was actually meant to be meant to be a criticism of open D, at least the one I do. I do D, A, D, F sharp, A, D. Um, it says, it's kind of boring. I said, well, yeah, you're right. It is because it kind of drones. But that's what I love about it. It's very rich, you know, very simple. But man, the shapes, the shapes that you can put to it. And then, uh, yeah, that's what they call out slack. I played on that. Uh, no greater love. I played open D. Uh, those are the three mainstays. I play in probably about, I have about three other ones that I play in. They call them Wahini tunings, you know, like it's F or uh, C6. It's uh, Moana Loa tuning. There's hundreds of tunings that uh, the Hawaiian, my Hawaiian predecessors have used. But uh, yeah, I, I stick to I stick to three main ones and then throw in about four other ones. Now, with those uh, altered tunings, what's the scale length on your guitar? Is it a 25 and a half or is it a little bit longer? No, it's 25 and a half. Yeah. Now, yeah. what, what yeah. gauge string do you use? Uh, you know, I just switched over to like 13. I was using lights before, what, mm-hmm. like 11 before. But, uh, yeah, I just wasn't, I just, for, for the purposes of the CD, I just didn't feel like I was getting enough um, oomph. Yeah. How's that for a word? No, I use it all the time. <laughs> so thank yeah. you for, for putting it in here. Put it in there, yeah. Yeah, uh, the 12-string, I still still have uh, lights because I'm a, I'm a wuss. You know, well, it, you know, putting medium gauge strings on a 12 string, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're turning you're into a gorilla. Yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not that strong. I can't do it. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm going to stick with the, uh, the, the 13s cause, uh, I like the sound that it gives to, uh, to, uh, Kaleonani, I call her. Well, now the, um, I'm going to change course here just a little bit. Since you know of, and well, partly because you lived in Hawaii, but you know who Ralph's son is, you know who Eddie Aikau was. Oh, yeah. Um, were you a surfer as well? Yes, I was. Uh, I not wasn't a great surfer. Um, but yes, I surfed longboard, mm-hmm. uh, learned the hard way, uh, which is kind of self-taught. But then uh, I dated somebody that actually was a professional and uh, that, that helped a lot, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I surfed. Um, how do you know Eddie? I'm just kind of curious. Well, I, I used to own surf shops and I've been surfing since I was a kid and ah. I still have about seven surfboards in my basement. I haven't surfed. The last time I actually surfed was when my son, who's now 35, oh, he just turned 36, was in college. That's to give you an idea how long ago. And just at the age of 72, you know, my shoulders aren't what they used to be. I have trouble getting my feet on that pop to get them up underneath me. And, you know, the ocean is just far enough away that it makes a day trip at my age really difficult. When I was younger, I'd get up at three in the morning and be at the uh, beach and, and for sunrise and surf all day and then drive home. Not so at my age. So, and I, I just don't get the chance to get to 
you know, I checked the surf in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire, where my um, second store was, and it's still there wow. under the same name. Uh, the fellow who was my last manager purchased it from me, and he's made it a wild success. They've got a wonderful cam that shows the, the break, and uh, yesterday oh. and today, um, they lots of surf. Today, not so much. There's only about two or three surfers out, but during the brunt of the snowstorm, there must have been 20 people in the water surfing. <laughs> and that, oh. That's in, you know, oh, full five wow. mil with hoods and gloves and boots and, and that, you name it. Well, I tell you what, uh, that's amazing. I, it really is. I mean, I, I, l- listen to me. I mean, I learned how to, I learned how to surf and I surfed for years in Hawaii. And, and I got to tell you, I, I was spoiled. I, I could not even imagine putting on a wetsuit and uh, doing what I did for the hours <laughs> that I did. Well, like you said, getting up at four in the morning to go go surf before I would uh, drive up to uh, Schofield. Yeah, I did that a few times. And, oof. But I mean, it's warm. I just ah, no, it's wonderful. Talk about pathetic. But mm-hmm. I will tell you, I went to my honey. I took my wife to you know, of course, Hawaii for a honeymoon in 2016. Um, and uh, and I said, honey, well, why don't you learn how to surf? Let's just go. Let's go down there. I mean, so I. I I hadn't surfed in probably 10 years and yeah, I would say about 10 years. And, uh, it's a big difference between, you know, surfing in your early forties and then fifties. And, uh, just what you described about trying to pop up, <laughs> I quickly found out that my knees and my shoulders were, uh, were, uh, not what they used to be. It was a little embarrassing actually to tell you the truth, but, well, you know, and that's why so many of my contemporaries now surf on a sup or stand up paddleboard. Yeah, do a stand up paddleboard. Yeah, go, go paddle paddle into a wave. Yeah, the only challenge you have is if you fall off. That's right, and I've you know, and it's one more thing to have to worry about. One is a really big heavier board, and two is this long paddle. And <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll kind of muscle it through. But the reason I brought all that up is you we're going to play at the end of the show, or the people will be listening to the song about Rel's son. But you also have a song called No Greater Love, which yes, is yeah. a, a kind of a tribute to Eddie Aikau, who was yes. the consummate waterman in, in uh, Hawaii, lifeguard, lifelong. They now have the yes. Eddie Aikau surfing contest at Waimea when the surf is big. It's not held every year because the ocean doesn't always respond. But I'd like yeah. to play that song now because, one, it's a wonderful tune, but you also sing on it, and it's got some wonderful lyrics. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, mahalo. I appreciate that. Eddie, I didn't know him. He died in 78. But uh, but the fact that he gave his life you know, for his friends uh, was impactful for me you know, as a military guy. So, Well, let's hear it, it now. Easy, easy song to write. Yeah. No Greater Love. Favorite son, Hawaiian soul, one with the water, fearless they told, shimmering mountains rolled in the bay, he roared that thunder with a smile they'd say. No greater love 
die for a friend To see me lost That's just how it ends There's no greater love In my heart I know When others fear Anyone go No child his own Brother to all Gave his life's breath To those that would fall No souls lost So many saved Generations grateful But the debts can't be paid No greater love than a life for a friend To see me lost, that's just how it ends There's no greater love in my heart I know When others feared, it would go Hogalea bound Hawaiian pride A raging storm Lost in the night Fear started to rise Clinging to life But Eddie went Soon lost Just how it ends There's no greater love In my heart I know When others feared Anyone go There's no greater love In my heart I know When others feared Greater love hath no man than this, when a man laid down his life for his friends. Oh, it's a beautiful song. Thank you for writing it and for performing it. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You know, it means the- a lot to me. Well, the uh, when you say Shimmering Mountains, most people who are not surfers would not pick up on the fact that you're describing the wave 
waves and not yeah, not yeah. actual hills on land. Although, no, no. yeah, if you've seen them, if you've seen them come in into Waimea, you you know. Yeah, yeah fortunately, I've only seen them from a video. When I was at uh, Waimea, it was a lake. It was summertime. Oh yeah, the wintertime. Yeah, it's like you said. Ed, it's it's funny how you you don't know some of these people. I don't. I didn't know Eddie. I didn't know Rail. I didn't know Is. Um, but the impact that they can have on you is just—it's uh, amazing. Uh, I would write another song about George Helm. Won't go into detail, but he's another just famous uh, in the sense of the Hawaiian uh, Renaissance movement and the Hawaiian culture Renaissance that they went through in the '70s. And he too had lost his life um, tragically. Uh, but somebody else, somebody had wrote, written a song called Hawaiian Soul that I don't think it, nobody could even transcend it. I would, I don't think I'd even try. Uh, but again, it gets it's the impact that it has. Some of the individuals that though I haven't met in Hawaii, their their mana, as they would say, their their spirit, it kind of kind of flows. Well, for anyone so, listening who is not familiar with either Eddie Aikau, and Aikau is spelled A-I-K-A-U, and, and I've always said rail son, but it's real, or rail, right? Yeah, it, again, <laughs> I'm sure, sure she's heard it all too. Oh, I'm sure, but it's just, you know, from the, the written word, it always came out as rail son to me, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you who've not um, heard of them, definitely look for, because you can find it on YouTube, or rent it, um, Heart of the Sea, about... Um, uh, her and then Google Eddie Icow because oh, yeah. once you know the story of how he lost his life and know what his life was like, um, yeah. both of those the tune for Rel and the song, um, you know, No Greater Love, it'll mean a lot more to, to those listeners once they know a little bit more about the people themselves and what wonderful folks yeah. they were. Well, mahalo for saying that. Um, yeah, I. I before I forget, I, I wanted to I wanted to thank two other people as far as the CD goes. Uh, two people that really, I, I did almost all the instrumentation singing, you know, on on the uh, the CD, and, and that was a lot of fun, I, hard work but fun. And again, my thanks to Marco for helping me through that and encouraging me. <laughs> hey, you can do this. Um, but there's a, uh, a, a another hula sister of my wife's. Her name is uh, Tomoko Yamashita. And she's the one on Hawaii Ne that was playing that. Uh, it's, it's called an ipu heke. It's a double double chord. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that was doing that instrumentation, the, uh, the the percussion that you can hear in the background. She also did a chant for another song that, if you don't get to it, that's fine. Uh, it's called Paradise. And she came to my house to do that recording uh, where she does a traditional Hawaiian chant in the background at the beginning. And so I just, I just can't thank her enough for, for taking the time to do that. She heard my Ipu Heke playing and she says, uh, is that you? <laughs> and I said, yeah, she goes, you want me to do it? <laughs> I said, well, yes, I would love for you to do it. And so five takes later, uh, she, 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 she did it. Um, well, let's listen to a I, little bit of paradise. Well, well, before you play it, I, I'd like you to, because what I want you, I think I told you, Hawaii is a very, very 
difficult place to live for many people. The Hawaiian people in particular, locals, it's a very, it's a very challenging place. It's not, it's not unusual for people to have two or even three jobs uh, just to pay rent. And it's, it's incredibly difficult uh, for a lot of them. Poverty is endemic. Homelessness is endemic. And it is paradise. And you visit it. You, you see it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful place. But you don't have to go too far to see that. And especially the homelessness is exploding. But yet mansions continue to be built. And look, I, I'm a pragmatic person. I realize it. But I also have learned in my older age to that I can be empathetic you know, to people. And when I heard about a woman by the name of Paula Puega, of Puga, excuse me, she's a wonderful, wonderful ukulele vocalist. And she was, she's a Hawaiian and she was homeless. And on a radio show, not too, not too last year, she told a story about how she had gone hungry and was forced to eating out of, in some cases, garbage cans. To, uh, to, to, to eat. And the, the talk host shows, these hosts were talking heads, the comedians, and they thought it would be funny to make fun of them. And uh, obviously there was an outcry about that. I mean, the guys were punished. Uh, she broke down in tears and left. And that's why I wrote this song. I wrote it, I call it Paradise, and it opens up as though it is going to be another typical Hawaiian song by me but then uh i change it up a little bit so well let's let's listen to about 30 seconds or so yeah just at least get through the uh the chant or the first uh, first few words okay you don't mind that i played a little bit more because I, I i i wanted <laughs> no, to get your ahead. wanted to get your lyrics into it a little bit um and for <laughs> those of you who really enjoyed that and would like to hear um that's that's the type of song i i refer to a song like that as a bittersweet yeah yeah it's uh it was actually a very difficult song to write because um not not from a technical perspective but difficult in knowing that Hawaiian purists and there are there there are folks that are out there like that, whether it be slacky or the way that you construct and the way that you sing, you know, a Hawaiian song. Uh, this certainly is not that, but it was purposeful. And as a matter of fact, there's little errors and mistakes that are on it that I keep. I didn't want to change anything. Um, because it's meant to be. 
that. There's a little hopeful. There's 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 some hope in it. It's not totally depressing, but but the real fact is, after living there for seven years, I know how difficult it is for most people to to live. And you always have to keep that in mind. At least I think so. Particularly with my military experience and backgrounds, I see I've seen a lot of bad things uh, that a lot of times people don't see if they're sheltered here in the U.S. Well, you've put together a wonderful musical project. And for those of you who are listening, if you would like to purchase, whether download or CD and download, go to Dave Kavika Feely. That's D-A-V-E-K-A-W-I-K-A-F-I-E-L-Y.com. And you can either pay the download for $9.99 or I would suggest do the CD if you still have a CD player like uh, we old folks <laughs> and pay the thirteen ninety nine and get both the CD and the download. So you can have kind of best of both worlds, but it's been a wonderful um, time chatting with you. What's, what's on the agenda. I know in our COVID world, everything's kind of up in the air. We don't really know, but what, what, what do you hope happens in the near future for you musically? Well, besides gigs themselves. Yeah. I, I, I've, I'm turning, I'm turning towards a, getting back to uh, to some songwriting. I've got a lot of ideas, but literally the CD uh, doing it really took a lot more effort than I had imagined. And we recently moved uh, as well. So renovations and moving into a new home. Uh, so first and foremost is, I call it go back to the wood shop, really, really refine my skills that uh, I'm nowhere near where I really want to be with uh, slack key uh, and then write some more because these ideas when they're when they're percolating you got to get them out and that brings me probably the most joy i, I feel uh, and then uh you know i'm working on trying to get as you might imagine with my genre it's it's a little tough when you tell people that you're a hawaiian musician uh, you play slacky guitar instrumentals they sing but they go like well, what's that? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a it, it can be challenging, but it's OK. Uh, there's a number of venues that I think appreciate the fact that it's not uh, Rash Axe and Kiki Bar ukulele. Uh, I call it uh, rinky dinky kind of music. Uh, Americana folk with a Hawaiian flavor. I think that's what I really like to think of it as. And. That's what I hope for. I hope to be able to to break into some other venues besides uh, the ones that I have played. I mean, I really enjoy places like the Epicure and uh, uh, Lake Ann Coffee Shop. I mean, I, I played a no, number of areas around here, number of venues, excuse me, around here. But uh, but I'm looking for more opportunity. And well, hopefully, we're able, yeah, hopefully we're we're able to do the Sunday brunch concert series again, where I met you behind the Frederick Coffee Company yeah. um, on the yeah. Shabro stage. Um, I think we're going to be able to do it. I, I may start it at 11 rather than 10 because it seemed like <laughs> that first hour was a little, always a little tough because people like to stay home and do things and get up slowly on Sunday morning. So, <laughs> so 11 to one instead of 10 to noon, but uh, thank you so much for joining me and uh, for mahalo, talking about, mahalo. and for talking about your music and your background and, uh, you're getting to chat a little bit about surfing, which I I love doing. You know, guitars and surfing and and flying. You hey. know, small planes to me, those are the three big ones. And my kids, of course. Uh, well, for me, I don't fly planes, but I like my my little dogs. So uh, I've 
I, I think I, I'm, I'm just amazed that you, we, we share at least two of those. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, well kids too. Yeah. Well, do me a favor so that I don't mispronounce it because I probably will um, introduce for everybody. And then you and I will, will sign off the uh, song that sure. you wrote for, uh, for Rel. Okay. Well, it's uh, Rel Kapilio Kaheokai, which means heart of the sea, sun, S-U-N-N. And again, I encourage you to please, please rent that video called Heart of the Sea. Uh, you probably find it on YouTube now. But it, uh, she uh, was a wonderful, wonderful woman, the Queen of Makaha, mm-hmm. they called her, because that's where she lived. And her legacy continues today. They have a Minahuni surf uh, contest every year where every kid got a trophy to go out there and surf. And uh, it's just, it just warms your heart. Uh, this is so sad that we lost her way, way too young. Well, thanks again, Dave, and much good luck through the winter months. And we'll chat again, I'm, I'm sure, and we will try to plan something for the summer. Sounds good. Well, aloha and uh, mahalo nui loa. Thank you very much. And happy new year to you and everyone listening. Yeah, same here. All right. Thanks, Dave. Well, let's listen to that tune now that he just introduced. Um, it's a wonderful instrumental, and I'm not going to even try pronouncing it.
The Wispy Bop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by me, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me at the Wispy Bop Music Studio in Frederick, Maryland. All music on the podcast is played by permission from the artist. If you're enjoying the series, please feel free to share the link wispymopmusic.podbean.com and podbean is spelled p-o-d-b-e-a-n or you can find the show on either itunes or apple podcasts thanks so much for listening happy new year